Hi, honey. Welcome to Book Babes Banter, your go-to place to listen to all things bookish. Every episode, we'll talk about what we're currently reading and dive into a bookish theme. I'm Sal. And I'm Soph. And today, we're going to share some tips on how to read better. But before we get there, Soph, what are you currently reading? Okay, so this week, I've been reading a lot of shorter, like, I don't want to say novellas, but 200-ish page books because it's been a long week. But shout out to Maggie Mayhem. Um, she just released Manticore Madness in her series. So just finished that. So Manticore Madness is about this girl who like gets a knock on her door and there's a manticore in front of it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there's not a manticore, but there is a guy in front of it that's huge and she knows he's glamored, which means that they're kind of like using magic to hide mm-hmm. what they really are and he's like open up and then anyway she opens up uh oh, okay. they suspect well he's like knocking and he's like gonna break down the door she doesn't okay. anyways he assumes that she stole this necklace that belonged to a dragon if you didn't know dragons love collecting things and they cherish what they collect they Which are you should orders. know because you should have watched Shrek. Yes, they love shiny things and whatever they have in their hoard, even if it's not shiny, is super important to them. So somebody stole it from this museum he has, uh, the dragon has. Anyway, so the manticore is supposed to find it. What he like found was that it's in the last known place uh, that they saw it was in her house. Um, but he's like, I feel the energy here, so I'm just going to take you with me and, um, (laughs) like, sort of kidnaps her. But, yeah, they try to find it. They end up in love happily ever after, always. Uh, Manticore, also, if you didn't know, is multifaceted in the sense that their head is like a lion. They have a scorpion's tail. And then they have wings like a dragon. And this manticore can be four-legged or bipedal, which is being on two legs like a human. Um, And he can use glamour to look more human. But yeah, also the sex scenes are great, um, as usual, for anything I read. If you have all those features, like if you are that multifaceted, you better be good. Right? (laughs) It'd be a waste. Like, what do you mean you have a scorpion tail, but you can't fuck well? Like, it's not making sense vibes. And then the one I finished last night is called Sweet Tentacles by Mayfly. It's like a alien-ish universe. Earth has contact with other planets and aliens. And there is kind of like a mail order bride agency on Earth where women can sign up to be matched with... um, like different monsters anyways there's like this system that like puts it together to figure out who would be your best match if you went there she ends up at a planet or she chooses to go to this planet with the most dangerous like people and they're that's my girl yeah Exactly. And they are literally Krakens, like not human shifting Krakens. Like this is giving full on octopus, like eight foot octopus, um, no humanoid face. Like, you know, it's it's octopus. Exactly. Uh, They're big and they're dark purple. 
they have this like thing in their brain put in their brain to make them less violent but basically she's going to this planet where no one really wants to go because nobody's heard about these people in a hot minute since they've been um vanquished and she's going there though to protect herself from another monster who is this spider monster oh god are used as um in the world known as being used as a hitman like they are oh just oh my that. god stop i yeah. actually got like chills down my body i know really well like scary. you don't really hear about the spider monster that much but like <sighs> what you hear about it is knowing that she is being like stalked and whatever so to escape it she was like i need to go to a planet or area that is scarier than a spider oh, no. monster which is this tentacle monster planet um, so she goes as a mail order bride, but she actually ends up falling in love, obviously. And they live happily ever after. There's a lot of fun parts. Um, the tentacle monster is not actually grumpy or anything. He's super nice. And I don't want to give any parts away, but yeah, he's super cute. Like I fell in love with him before I even opened it. Like I love tentacles, so that is my, like, go-to of romance. The reason I haven't talked about it lately as a read is there have not been many tentacle (laughs) books, so. You're going to get a premium subscription to that mail order service. No, literally, if I had that, I would pay them. Like, they pay (laughs) the uh, brides to go over because, you know, they're taking this trip. They're moving their whole life to this other planet. It's not like – so they're they're paid it Mm. because I guess – in general, mail order brides are paid yeah, to some degree and the agency. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you guys know any tentacle books and if I see them and I have not read them, and maybe even if I have read them, I'll probably appreciate that just because I need more tentacle monsters. I also feel like if this was you in the situation, you'd be like, take the chip out. I want the full violence, baby. I wish they could. <laughs> like, I don't know where it's – like, that's literally what I thought. I'm like, why is it still in there? Like, <laughs> he wants to fight. They want to kill. Like, and that's a requirement. he has multiple appendages, and he's eight foot tall, and he has suction cups, and he has a huge cock that just comes oh, out of nowhere. addition to the eight legs. In addition to the eight legs. Okay, this is the funniest scene in the beginning, and I'm only going to say because it's in the beginning, and I'm not going to speak more about this book or I'll spoil it. So basically, she just uh, landed. She's at his house, and she's just very tired from, like, space traveling. So uh, he has made her a human version of a room, so it's smaller furniture, and he Googled, like, you know, what are human mattresses? He Googled? (laughs) Yeah, or, like, you know, I forgot what they call it, but they – Whatever is, uh, yeah. If we were an alien world, like the universe of Google, there, yeah. Um, and he just like tried to find it because he is a tentacle monster, squiddish, so he usually needs to be near water, like yeah. You know? So he wanted ask. to make it comfortable for whoever came. So she fell asleep in that room, and you know he was like, "Oh my god, like I just want to be here." So he sleeps on the floor in his room just because you know. 
he's so sweet. Anyway, she wakes up and he's there and she's just like, okay. And he's still sleeping. So he's just like patting his like regular tentacles. And then he like wakes up and he's all like, no, you're my mate. You can touch me whenever you want. It's not weird. This girl, she notices a tentacle that just pops out of nowhere. It looks different than the others. And it's kind of moving around differently. So she just starts like petting it and basically jacking it off and i'm like girl what and like the book they didn't make make her seem like a meek virgin or anything i was like is that where the plot's going because yeah like how is that not obvious what you're touching like um yeah so i just found that so funny I've said before how I don't really read a lot of thriller or murder mysteries anymore because it made me very paranoid that I'd just get attacked um, at any point. But, like, I never – now you just put the thought in my mind of, like, what if there is this giant spider that has a hit out on me? (laughs) That is not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, what if, like, a giant man or monster was going to, like, kill him for me i'm a spider filling up my entire apartment well then you would like you should stay away from sol de janeiro oh yeah Yeah. um there are a lot of spider romances so if you do like that you may like the um sol de janeiro body cream that is in the purple container ew like when um, the spite sorry sorry not ew but not for me but like oh ew to um, me i have <laughs> like i do a lot of monster reading i will not go near insect but like specifically spider like i will stay away from it but like when the spider comes and then just like all the web comes out Oh my! I, I God. haven't even liked Spider Man. Like the only reason I watched Spider Man <laughs> is um, the Green Goblin was so hot in the William Defoe. Yes, William. Oh Defoe. my God, he's so sexy. Yes, he's so sexy. He's still sexy. Oh yeah, I haven't seen him in anything recently, but I did see a TikTok of him interviewing for something else. Um, he is so sexy, Dream Man. I think also at that time, James Franco was his son in the movie. And before James Franco was problematic, little old me thought he was so cute. So yeah, I ah, love watching same. it. Yeah. But I love that Spider-Man movie because William Dafoe, Green Goblin, mm-hmm. love of my life. Love of my life. Um, And what I'm currently reading is mostly what I'm going to read next and super excited about. Um, It's called Molly and it's by H.D. Carlton. And if you are on book talk or know of dark romance, uh, this is really kind of what popped off like dark romance recently. But she wrote, um, oh, my God, Haunting Adeline and Hunting Adeline. And my friend who recommended it and who also reads dark romance was like, yeah, it's super dark. I read it and I'm like, yeah, like five out of ten. But um like five out of ten in darkness anyway so she released a new book it's called molly it's um related somewhat to the haunting adeline like uh world and series so she does recommend you read the 
haunting and hunting Adeline before starting this, but this is what the blurb says. So Molly Dabaru has been missing for more than two weeks and police are still searching for the girl who seemed to vanish out of thin air. The world still wants to know, where's Molly? And then that is written in italics. And then the rest of the blurb <laughs> is Molly speaking, I assume. But in my dreams, I never escaped the Oregon woods. Life after death isn't easy to expect, especially when I still feel like a ghost. Now, I live deep in the mountains of Montana, the paradigm of beauty. But they are also the home of horrors. Horrors that I only unleash at night when my pigs are allowed to feast. But I'm super excited to read that. So what about you? What are you reading? So for me, what I'm currently reading is Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe. And this book is about the Sackler family who, if you didn't know, they're one of the richest families in America. And what's interesting is that they amassed their wealth very recently. It's not old money, this family. And, you know, it's I didn't know this until I read it, but their wealth surpasses the Rockefellers, the Mellons. And once upon a time, they were known for their philanthropy. You'd see their names uh, like in wings at the Louvre and at the Met. They have a lot of like schools named after them, uh, but people didn't know what like how they got so wealthy. And it's from pharmaceuticals, actually. So they are the family behind Purdue Pharma. And this is the company that introduced Oxycontin to the market. And they are, I would like to think that they are responsible for the uh, opioid epidemic. And this book explores their role in that. So this is a narrative nonfiction. So it's nonfiction, but really reads like a novel. To me, this is a page turner. It's really juicy. I'm shocked by the characters. I'm fascinated by them and their behavior in this role. If you hate rich people, I think you would love this book. And I read Say Nothing by this author, which was one of my top reads in 2023. That's about the troubles in Ireland. And I everything I liked about the writing in Say Nothing is still relevant in this book as well. So I'd highly recommend if it sounds interesting to you. I just loaded Empire of Pain because as you were speaking about it, one, it sounds like the writing is very good, not like the Sacklers, but Mm -hmm. because it's about the family, it reminds me of my favorite show, Succession. So Mm -hmm. now I'm wondering if it's going to be a similar vibe. Succession, the show, is the best show ever, and everyone should watch it. Yeah, I can't comment on that. I don't know. But it does get into a lot about their family and how they built their fame. Uh, Not their fame, but their wealth. Yeah, I will – cover i will answer yeah. in our next episode <laughs> if uh the empire of pain is anything similar to succession so today we're going to talk about enhancing your reading life aka how to read better to start off this conversation we want to first talk about purposeful reading Now, it's really normal to set reading goals, and I know especially since we're at the beginning of the year, this can be top of mind for a lot of people, 
but I really urge you to question why you want to achieve your reading goals. And this is good practice for any goal that you have. Why do you want that goal? I find that goals that are set to appear impressive to yourself or to others are often hard to keep up with. And at least for myself, they can lead, they often lead to unfulfilling reading experiences and a lot of shame and self-loathing. So I want to make it really abundantly clear, reading does not make you inherently better, more impressive, or interesting. Please take that pressure away from yourself. Read the books you want to read because you want to read them. You're already smart and interesting. You don't need the books you read to prove that. So please, please, please try to separate your ego from your reading life as much as possible. I think that you'll find that you're reading much better than you have before because of it. For me, what kind of got me outside of my ego when it comes to reading is realizing that no one cares how much I read or what I read. If I read 100 books or 10 books or one book or zero books, the conversation keeps moving. You know, if I did read a lot of books, someone might say, oh, wow, that's a lot. That's great. And then it keeps moving. I can't rely on that to be likable, you know, or smart or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. And also... I have had experiences where I felt pressured to read something mm -hmm. to prove my worthiness in some way. And then no one in my circle of who I talk to in life has read that book. So it didn't even matter. So it, it just because no one else cares, the only thing that really matters is that I care and that I like it. So that helps me a lot in um feeling confident and validated in my reading life yeah that also shattered it for me too yeah uh, where it's like I cannot talk to anyone about it because yeah. they don't know about it and I'm like like what am I reading it for and yeah I don't want to talk about it at school like sorry I don't like you people <laughs> um, like now with that being said um while you know, we don't suggest setting your reading goals around ego or how much you read or what type of book you read outside of what you like. We can acknowledge that reading goals can enhance your reading, especially when you haven't read in a while or you're trying to get back into reading. It can somewhat make it easier for you, especially if you're the type of person who holds yourself accountable having goals. Now, they don't have to be big and they can be as small as you want, but what it allows you to do is give you some direction, excitement. It can give you the motivation to add back or continue reading in your life. So in general, a goal for reading, especially one that works for you, will probably and most likely give you a higher quality within like your reading experience or reading journey, whatever that may be. Just be mindful of why you have the goals. What are they serving for you? Who are they serving and why? So Sal, do you have any reading goals this year? No, no reading goals, no goals in general. I'm not really one to 
I always say this, but I don't have any goals in life. My only goal is to have a good day. But in terms of uh, reading, no, and I haven't set one in a while. In general, I just don't like to hold metrics against myself. That is, to me, a recipe for self-sabotage. I already have metrics at work, so I choose to release myself from the shackles of performance reviews and scorecards outside of business hours. And it's worked for me. I really enjoy my reading life. What about you? I do have a Goodreads where I put in a number of books I want to read mm. every year. The only reason I put it in is so Goodreads stops giving me those yes! notifications yeah. of setting your reading goals. Like, yeah, I don't have a goal. Like, I don't know how many books are going to come out this year that I'm going to like. But while this isn't like a reading goal for the year, this is generally what I'm trying to do this year. One, read less. Mm. Um, I just read a lot of books. And I read a lot of them because I hate not finishing a book. So in mm. that, I want to tell, I want to try to DNF more books and not finish them because I already started it. And it's not really a sunk cost fallacy for me type of situation. I just read so fast that I'm like, okay, well, I might as well just finish a book I don't like so that mm. I can, you know, uh, like get to another book and yeah. don't have to worry about searching or go through the ones I like faster. Um, and then the other one, I think I we touched about it before talking about this is really only reading what I like. I mean, that's Good. something I do all the time since I mm -hmm. finished college. But um, yeah, so in general, my reading boundaries are read less, read exactly what I like, and what I'm trying to work on is don't finish a book that you don't like. Yeah. Someone's doing well, better than last year, but. That sounds like a really good practice in honoring yourself. Literally. With also that being said, to guide you or if you do want to have some reading goals to help you get back into reading or, you know, you've just been thinking about it. Um, here's some ideas. Obviously, the first one that comes up is reading a certain number of books in the year. Don't feel bad if it's even like one book in the yeah. year. Yeah. Finish. Like, if that is something that works for you, do it. Or be like me, choose a random number so Goodreads stops giving you notifications. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, choose the number that works for you. But if you don't meet it, if you do, you go above it don't what feel anyway yeah it. it's your life there's yeah. no metrics to life like it is literally your life and then another one you could have is to complete a book by your favorite author going through their history of other books they've written and finishing one of those another one I can suggest and I've done this myself a book from an author you don't like, mm. try to see if they have something in their, um, you know, list of books that match with what you like as maybe, um, you know, a genre or something related to books that you like and read it and then figure out, did you really hate the author or did you just hate that plot? I think another one is to add more joyful or happy books in the mix of what you like. Just add some diversity to what you're reading. And speaking of diversity, even then, like think about your books. Are there mostly white characters mentioned in it? Pick up a book where <laughs> it's 
literally obvious that there's diversity in it. Try to read more from authors that aren't white, that are definitely not white old males, but just start with someone that's not white. And then try different book formats. Just try a bunch of different ones, maybe like graphic novels. Hey, maybe you like kids books. Like, Mm -hmm. go crazy. I love middle grade. Um, Yeah, like, go crazy with those books. Like, literally just explore different books if you haven't found something you like, just try different ones. Nobody's saying you have to finish a book. Like, mm-hmm. do not hold yourself to the standards I set for myself because you will literally lock yourself in a prison <laughs> that you can't get out of. Like, you have imprisoned yourself. Like, how pathetic is that? That's what I've done for myself. So, you like, self better not see you in that prison. <laughs> Yeah, like I am, even though I've created the prison, I am like the prison guard here. I will go through there and I will push you out. Like, you are the warden, the the guard, and the prisoner. Yeah, like I created it. I am totally against the prison industrial system. Um, I don't know how I got myself into it but yeah if I see you in there I will kick you out I will literally be your sponsor to hold your hand don't finish that book you don't like yes agree so ultimately it doesn't have to be about reading more it can be but it doesn't have to be it's really about enjoying your reading and there's a lot of different ways to do that So for this next part, we want to share some strategies on finding a book that works for you so that you can actually enjoy this reading that we're talking about. So one of the strategies on finding a book that works for you is determining your reading doorway. So a reading doorway is this concept that came from our mother, Nancy Pearl, who is a librarian extraordinaire. Reading doorways refer to the four core elements of a book. It's plot, character, setting, and use of language. The analogy of a doorway is used because you can imagine a doorway as the entrance into a book. Now, while all books will have a mix of all four doorways, some emphasize certain doors over others. So two books could have the same premise, but your enjoyment of them can vastly differ based on what your reading doorway is. So books with a large plot doorway often have a lot of action. So when readers describe these books, they're often going to talk about the events within the book. Um, They may describe it more along the lines of it's fast paced, it's a page turner, there's adventure, or it's a quick read. Character is about having interesting characters with strong development that you feel connected to. So books with a large character doorway often focus on the growth of the protagonist or development of interpersonal relationships. A lot of coming of age, romance, and family stories are character driven. I think especially in romance, I'll, I'll read it and then I'll think, oh, nothing really happened in that book because it's character driven. The whole thing is about those two people getting together it's not necessarily a bad thing that nothing happened or it wasn't really plot driven it's an exploration of these characters and that's what's fascinating about it um and that's really what the character doorway is trying to reveal now if the doorway is setting base it's more about the time and the place and really the kind of like vibe of the Mm -hmm. book so don't even think about it as like oh it's written about being in nature and the city like 
those are aspects to the set- setting, but there's also like, oh, it's feeling like dark, gloomy, like the actual feeling of it. And it's really being able to position yourself in the book, but also in the place, like you're feeling the place. And you'll notice this a lot in fantasy books or historical fiction. And a good example of this would be like where the crawdads sing. You can tell there's differences within the way she explains like living in the marsh, being in the boat, being like in the main city area from the boat. Um, the past that's another thing time is also a part of the setting Mm -hmm. and it could be like the future uh backwards whatever you call that the past past. (laughs) yes yes the future the present the past a flashback so yeah so something like where the crawdads sing is a good example of that and puts really good emphasis on different aspects of settings and then others it might like not be obvious within a book and you'll probably see this in a lot of like horror or Mm, um, yeah true like darker themed books yeah like Stephen King novels gives me that experience where it's more of like a very atmospheric Yes, it's atmospheric and like the way I visualize it when I read it, there's like a foggy mist throughout the book. <laughs> and then when you get to the main plot, mm-hmm. it clears out and becomes super bright. That's so, yeah. really powerful of a writer to be able to produce for a reader. I've never heard like what you were just saying about the fog and then the bright I've never heard of that before, but I think that's incredible that someone's words could produce that effect for you. And I read Where the Crawdads Sing as well, and I just felt so immersed in the setting. It made me want to be a marsh girl. Like I wanted to be on that boat and collect all these plants and see all these birds. Like setting can be so, so powerful. And I think another example of a strong setting that isn't a book is Studio Ghibli movies. I think this is a great example because a lot of times in Studio Ghibli movies, for me at least, you really don't know what's going on, maybe in the middle, but you're just really enjoying being in that world. And I think that's a good example of a a setting doorway. So finally, we have the language doorway. And these books are often described as well-written. Uh, lyrical, flowery, descriptive. I think a lot of time these books that are well-written, but not a lot happens. That's what I felt about Great Gatsby. I read it twice, probably too young, but I didn't get it. Uh, But I remember just really enjoying reading those sentences. I thought they were so pretty and I was impressed with the way you could use the English language when I read that book. So what do you think your reading doorway is? So I think my reading doorway is two things. Definitely the character. Most of the time, I'm going to read a book that's just about the relationship. I really Mm. don't care about the plot. Like the plot I want is the sex, (laughs) the tension. Mm, And that's probably because I mostly read romance. Mm -hmm. The other one is setting. And you probably realize that with the way I describe setting. Mm -hmm. It's really important for me because the way I read is very visual. And Mm. when I read a book, if I like it or don't like it, I can literally 
put myself in where it is, either oh, as okay. the main character or visualizing it like in third person. So setting is really important to me. And I really enjoy books where there's a lot of details on the setting. Oh. Um, yeah. For me, it's definitely plot and then character and then probably language and then setting. So for a long time for me, reading was all about escaping and something has to be happening for me to want to escape into it. That's how I think of it, at least. I think actually now that hearing why you love setting, I'm not surprised that setting's my last one because I actually kind of have a hard time visualizing things in my head. And even when I read characters in books, like if I don't have the perfect person in my head to play this character, I can't really visualize it. I can just see like maybe their hair color and then like if it's a man, just like their mouth and down. Because I'm like, oh, I can kind of see like the facial hair you would have. But right. I can't like picture a, a, a whole face. Um, and so maybe that's why setting like is hard for me when setting is strong, it can really enhance the book for me. Like I really appreciate it, but for me, it doesn't matter as much. And maybe it's because I like, I have a hard time visualizing. So those things kind of like, I can't fully appreciate. And then I don't care as much about the language doorway I'm inherently a very straightforward person. And I think coupled with my education and career, which has been in business, like when I read, I'm just like, please, please get to the point. Like, I think you can use words in a way that are beautiful and effective. I think every sentence has a purpose. Like, please don't say shit just to say shit. Some writing will make me feel like I wish words weren't free because you are not using them responsibly. That's me. Yeah. Plot, character, and then language and setting. So funny. We're in the reverse almost. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that about you, about setting. I Character makes sense for me. I thought plot? it might be plot next. Yeah, and more. even when I talk about like plot-heavy books or what would be considered that, I rarely talk about the plot. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, the plot is the people and the sex. But that being said, I would say my order is character setting and then I'm trying to think but like plot or use of language what's next I think I feel like language language. yeah yeah use of language I can get the like ick like we talked last episode if the language is off versus the plot I can kind of ignore the plot like yeah and and now that I'm thinking about it the way you describe the books that you read I mean, obviously they are character-driven books, but then you always like talk about the world that they're in as well. Whereas I don't think I like ever bring that up, even though the books I read, they are all in different places. That's so interesting. But anyway, understanding your reading doorway may help you make sense of why you did or didn't like a particular book, which can help you be more discerning when picking up your next read. So another item to think about that could improve your enjoyment of reading in general, is figuring out what's in your reader wheelhouse and doghouse. We touched on wheelhouses in one of our previous episodes, but just as a quick reminder, your wheelhouse refers to any element in a book that you like. 
On the other hand, your doghouse is the complete opposite where it refers to elements in a book you don't like. An element is really referring to anything in a book. So it's not just genre and tropes, but it's the setting, it's the character traits, it's plot points, um, really any part of a book. So some of my wheelhouse items are spoilers, good (laughs) plot, but like in the sense that it's sex-based, like it has to be really good sex scenes, like... Mm. So in terms of settings, (laughs) the reason I laugh is these are completely different from each other, but small town or big city. No suburbs. No suburbs. I don't want middle America. (laughs) I don't want that like, you know, um, like the McMansion situation, unless it's following like this city guy has a mega mansion in wherever. But the female character has to be city-based. I have oh, read one. Oh, that's funny. Where, <laughs> yeah, where she lives in the small town and it doesn't hit. Mm. She can start off as a small town girl who goes to the big city and comes back. But yeah. Another thing I love in the plot, self-sacrifice by the woman. I love that. So if you don't know what self-sacrifice is, it's like it can happen in any book, but in romance, especially with, I guess, darker or mafia romance is when the woman decides like to put herself in front of the bullet. So <laughs> it's really what? like, okay, it's so okay niche. I two- love that. I love, I love <laughs> that that's a so there's two aspects to it and it's one where like she like kind of saves him physically because she sees like he's about to be uh, attacked and she jumps in front of him the other one is uh, more like she leaves and she thinks it'll be beneficial for him or it's really doing something that's like only you know that you think it's beneficial (laughs) to the guy and my reason for liking self-sacrifice is selfish in the sense when I read it I'm like afterwards he's so obsessed with her and he can't be like he can't really leave the person did something so big to protect him really like that's what it is at the end she does something at the end or like really close to the end um, where she does a thing and um, it's to like be unselfish by protecting him. The reason I like it is I know the outcome is selfish. (laughs) Everybody loves her more or like they respect her and he definitely loves her more. Um, And the last one, it's him rage killing everyone for her. Like they did something, they like, you know, made an offhanded comment. Yeah, like he just rage kills for her. I don't care about him rage killing in general. Like that's so boring. So those are my wheelhouse items. Self-sacrifice is the antecedent to male worship no literally that's your favorite trope <laughs> i know i love the drama if a book has it i don't care if every any aspect 
is everything I hate. If there's self-sacrifice by a woman, it could literally be like the most vanilla book in the world. Uh, It could take place in like the worst plot setting that I don't like. It could literally have no sex scenes. Um, It's crazy. (laughs) Self-sacrifice hits so hard. You just don't often see like a good self-sacrifice by a woman Mm -hmm. in many books. Women, step it up. No, literally, love. <laughs> literally. Okay, so I learned about reading wheelhouses and dog houses from the Reading Glasses podcast. So shout out them. But some of my wheelhouse items would be books set in locations that I'm familiar with. So in cities that I've lived in or places that I've traveled to. I love interesting facts sprinkled into fiction. Like I just really love when I get to learn something new. Through my books, characters with interesting or cozy jobs. That's What's my cozy shit. Job? Like a flower shop. Okay. You know, or like a baker. I, I'm not, I'm sure those jobs are very hard, but I like when they're described very cozy. In a cozy and I, way. Yeah, and like idealized. Um, love nature, especially books that feature trees and birds. I love multiple POVs and happy endings. And actually my little rant about happy endings is I hate when people say, well, real life doesn't always have a happy ending. And I was like, babe, is this real life? Like this is why you literally, yeah, (laughs) like you can, with the same number of words, you could have made a happy ending. You literally just can do it. So do it. Anyways, what's some of the stuff in your doghouse? Um, Because you mentioned happy endings, one big doghouse item for me is if someone calls something romance and there isn't a happy ending. Yeah. That is not not romance. Yeah. No, like that's not fictional romance. Now, if you're talking about like, I don't know, real life, like fine, whatever. It's nonfiction. But we're not talking about Um, that. Yeah, like a romance requires a happy ending. Um, I don't like when it ends in a cliffhanger or a way you don't know that they're ending Same. Like, together. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I don't like in my head, I'm aware they're going to end up together. And you as an author just needed to say like, yeah, that's all you lived need. happily yeah. ever after. Like <gasps> if Shrek can do it, you can too. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't like anything that calls itself a romance. And it doesn't have a happily ever after. Um, That's also why when I started reading fan fiction, because fan fiction writers love to like traumatize you with romance, I would read the last chapter first. I needed to know (laughs) what I'm getting invested in because if I'm investing in a thousand chapter book, um, I better get the ending I want. Um, yeah, so that's one of them. The other one, and this is really just for a romance book, but male point of view only romance. I, I'm a woman. What do I care about a man's <laughs> point of view on the relationship and the romance? Like, I want to know what she's feeling, what she's thinking. Um, I will read like a lot of romances that do have like male point of view and they go back and forth. I do like that. I don't like ones that are full male point of view. Um, You don't see them a lot, thank God. But you will see if you sign up to a lot of romance authors like 
um, like newsletters or you get to the end of the book where they put like extra stuff, they'll be like, bonus, like small book or small story. Mm. Read about this in his point of view only. No. Like, how is that a bonus? Like, you're actually like doing the reverse. It's like a job. Like, if they tell you you're getting like uh, a demotion, that's what I mean trying to think about uh so yeah it's like being at a job like instead of getting a promotion you're getting a demotion like (laughs) with that extra book yeah yeah like if I read that I would be demoted so yeah I hate that the other thing I don't like is non-human female main characters in my romances Mm. um they're like I don't hate it as a book to recommend to other people And I mean, like, non-human as, like, there's no aspects to them that can be humanoid that Mm. I can relate to. Mm. Because when I'm reading romance, I'm thinking of me. Um, So, like, I love an orc, but I don't want a female orc. I love a kraken, tentacle monster, gargoyle. I don't want it to be me. I don't care if I can shift into full human form. I don't want that. Now, if later on she realizes she's a witch fine if she realizes <laughs> later on she's a fairy fine i only want her to be a human because unfortunately i am only a human mm. yeah and that's why it's a doghouse item like again it's not one of those like things i hate and don't think people should read it's really like i personally will not pick up that book and then i think we've spoken about this a few times so i won't go into it but I don't like books where he's actually mean to her and I mean like bullying or whatever. I don't mean like they're joking around or they're actually like enemies in the beginning and they're both mean to each other. I mean he's doing it to actually like harm her, Um, especially if it's after like they've built a relationship and then he like breaks her trust. That also falls into the same category for me. But I don't like when the guy is mean to her. And that will actually make me stop reading the book because I'm like, if I can't read the book and think about myself fucking this guy, like, that is why I'm reading this. This is lit porn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So complete turn off, complete, like, you are... You are not even in the doghouse. You're in the prison house. Um, not the <laughs> not yours. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the one that I'm the warden of. Like, I don't know who's the warden of it, but not me. And then I do like a lot of mysteries and thrillers. I hate when either like the actual thing at the end is just so obvious. Like the author mm. gives so many hints. It's so obvious. Or to avoid that, they give you so many twists and turns that don't make sense. Mm. And then I'm like, at the end, I'm like, well, what was the point of this? Like, it was, yeah. it's worse than a scavenger hunt. And I hate scavenger hunts. <laughs> or if something that is like a mystery and thriller, I feel like there's a movie like this. But at the end, they wake up and it's like a dream. Oh, like, yeah. like a, that's that's like, cheap. Yeah, like, you know, um, they were in a coma or some other thing. Um, I don't like that as an ending because what was the point of this book? Like, I want to explore the actual ending. But yeah, those are my dog house items. Romances that don't have happy endings. Male point of view only romance books, like for the full book. Non-human female main characters actually mean behavior from the guy to the female main character 
and mystery endings that are either obvious, too many like different points to get to the end because they couldn't make it a real mystery. And if the mystery ends with they just woke up from some other experience and that whole thing wasn't real. What about you, Sal? So for me, extreme graphic violence, I don't like reading that. I don't like when there's, um, it depends on the book, but I usually don't really like when there's major character death or especially not multiple major character deaths. I don't love angsty YA or usually very cerebral or interior writing. That's not a huge thing for me. Like, just say what you have to say and let's keep it going. Wait, what do you mean by, like, interior writing? Like, where you have to read between the lines? It's just, like, like, to me, interior writing is, like, pages and pages of the characters' internal thoughts, especially when it's supposed to be, like, deep. I don't like that. Okay, same. Like, Mm. there's too much much fluff. Like, like, I would consider that as fluff, Yeah. yeah. Not fluff as in, like, cozy Fluffy, and happy. Yeah. yeah, fluff as in, like, you're just saying shit to say shit now. I did forget to say these two other things for my reading wheelhouse, though. I love when there's a map. And I love when the author includes a playlist. Or a recipe. I love those things in books. Wait, do you mean, like, a visual of a map somewhere? Yeah, like, if it starts, like, the first page is a map, and then you go into the world in the actual book. I fucking love going back to the map and being like, oh, they're there, and then they're there. Oh, that's where this place is. I always skip those parts. (laughs) I literally look over them. Like, if I see a playlist at the beginning of a book, it, like, brings me back to, uh, like, really old days of fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, because some of them had chapters. And in yeah. The of like, oh my god, listen I to this song. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but mind you, music-wise, I literally listened to the same song for like a whole year or album where it's like, I don't want to know about other music. <laughs> I want to listen to the one thing. And you're ruining my experience by giving me these things. I don't mind a map though, especially for like fantasy worlds just like understanding yeah you know this is where they mean but I won't reference it Mm, no I love that Uh, but anyway similar to your reading doorway understanding your reading wheelhouse and doghouse can help you identify what parts or why you liked or disliked a book which can help you be more selective about what to read next and maybe give you an idea as to why you don't like a book or when it's time to stop reading one When you read a great book, you might not want that exact book or genre again, but you want the parts that made that book great. And understanding your reading doorway, wheelhouse, and doghouse can help you decide what those elements are. So speaking of what makes a book great, I just want to mention when you were mentioning your doghouses, when you said graphic violence, multiple character deaths, major character deaths, angst, I'm going to throw out the YA part. All of those things make a book amazing for me. That's how you know it's going to be a good one for you. (laughs) I'm like, oh, we started at the beginning with this. Amazing. (laughs) Um, That's the only time I'll allow fluff when the fluff is literally those things. So much killing. (laughs) It's a massacre in here. There's there's a lot of bloodshed. But uh, while that's all great, and we explained like the wheelhouse and doghouse, you're probably thinking, how do I figure this out? Like, 
how do I get there? Um, so some things we recommend thinking about when you're reading or finding a book is what you've liked and disliked, what you know gave you those opinions or feelings while you were reading or you know even like looking at a blurb of a book and then be honest with yourself like we said don't answer with ego literally no one cares and no one's gonna know like who are you telling don't tell them like just just be honest with yourself heck like get a journal write in the page and then burn it like if you have to if that's how you need to be honest with yourself do it but It's really like, one, me forcing you to do it to stay out of the prison that I've created. (laughs) Also, like, that's how you'll find what you enjoy and not read for anyone but yourself. And again, if this is too, like, arbitrary for you, which I totally understand, here are some questions you can ask yourself as you're reading um, the book once you've finished it, or even if you're looking online, like, what is this book about? These are some quick questions you could ask. How did I feel about the pacing of this book? Did you like that it was fast? Did you like that it went slow? What did you like about that? Do you want to be friends with the characters in the book? Uh, Whether it's the main character, a side character, me, romance-wise, like I mentioned, do I want to fuck this man? So where would they fit in your real life? And did you like it? And do you want to read more about that? Do you respect or maybe you even disrespect the protagonist's choice? Like, maybe you disagree or wouldn't do that yourself, but you respect it or you respect the writing of it. You like the writing of it, even if you disrespect the character themselves. Um, Now, this isn't for every book. But for a lot of them, you can think about, like, the morality of the actual story. Did you like that? Did you dislike that? You don't care. You literally do not notice morals of stories like myself. Um, So, yeah, that's another thing. And then the last one, it's around what kind of reader would enjoy this story? And you can think about it in third person, like, Um, You know, someone who's a librarian would enjoy this versus like someone who is like, you know, a doctor would enjoy this. I don't even know if doctors enjoy books outside of like medical texts. So don't hold me to that. But um, yeah, think about you could start with third person point of view and use that to search up things like, you know, books for X, Y, Z. So asking yourself some of these questions may help you to decipher these elements in books and writing that you like and you dislike and just help you think more critically about your reading life. And ultimately, that self-awareness is meant to help you be more discerning in picking up your next read, which will help you to read better. Now, to wrap us up, we wanted to shout out some reading resources that might help you out in enhancing your reading life. First and foremost, shout out to the Libby app. With Libby, you can connect your library card to get thousands of free ebooks and audiobooks on your phone, tablet, or e reader. I promise this isn't sponsored, and I don't think a free app would sponsor me anyways. <laughs> but I use Libby all the time for audiobooks, and the ebooks I put on hold there, I can easily sync to my Kobo. I think this is just an amazing wealth of books that are free to you 
And I would highly recommend it. It just really opens up a a lot more lanes to read. And it's super user-friendly as well. The next thing uh, we want to call out are reading challenges. And a lot of libraries will post their like annual or even monthly or seasonal challenges with different book prompts. An example is read a book by an Indigenous person under 30 or read a book about joy or like it can be something super simple or just check your local library to see what they have. So the last thing I'll mention is getting into online bookish communities. I'm a part of a bunch of different bookish Facebook groups. I grew up watching booktubers. Love a bookish Facebook group. (laughs) Love a bookish. I grew up watching booktubers and I listen to a lot of book podcasts. I just find it really fun to consume content about books and reading. But it also helps me to keep my finger on the pulse with what books are popular, books I haven't heard about or just hear book talk. Sometimes I don't want to read, but I want to be around that atmosphere. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll explore these different lanes. So some recommendation book podcasts that I love, Reading Glasses, they just talk about all things bookish. I think they're really funny as well. What should I read next? So this is an interesting premise. The host has a new guest every week and the guest shares three books they love, three books they hate, and what they're currently reading. And based on that, the host recommends what they should read next. So it's a that podcast in particular, you're going to hear so many different titles and she has a very wide variety of different kinds of readers come onto her show. And that is a great source of... Uh, learning about new books. Uh, Some booktubers I love, Pages of Haley. I think she's so funny. She's the one that inspired the Bookish X episode. Her YouTube uh, video on that is very funny. I just discovered someone named My Name is Marines. This is new for me, uh, or this channel is new for me. I think that their analysis of books is so smart. Like when I watch the videos, I'm like, yeah, that is such a good way to think about that book. Uh, Peru's Project is someone that I've been watching since I was like, I don't know, in middle school. Heavy fantasy reader. Like I don't read a lot of the books that she reads, but I just like her. Um, Very, very cozy. And then a clockwork reader. I think she has a really diverse set of uh, reading interests and uh, very smart analysis as well. What about you, Soph? Any other last uh, bookish resources? Yeah, so just to keep in theme with online resources, Goodreads, and I feel like anyone who reads books or has read a few books has seen Goodreads because if you put in a title, Amazon and Goodreads are the first two things that pop up. Um, With that being said, Goodreads is quite hard to or at least for me to find different types of books by searching it it usually gives you similar titles or it'll give you a list that's very generic what I tend to use it for is if I know about a title that I want to read I'll go through like comments or if a book is written by more of an indie author or you know somebody not as well known I'll go through the comments. Um, One thing I did a lot was smut books. I wanted to know the level of spice. So Mm. I had to go through them. And then I found a few people who have the same smut level of me, like 
their five chili peppers out of five are similar to what I would give four to five chili peppers. And chili peppers is how you rate the spice level of the book. Anyway, so I will follow them and then I'll see what they're reading. And that's how I'll add things also within the book that you're on on Goodreads. If you're on the app at the bottom, it'll actually give you more curated lists um, and you can use those. I found a lot of books that way. Or if you click one of the genre tags while you're on that book page. I haven't really found anything good clicking on that general genre list uh, from Mm. the main Goodreads page. So Goodreads is one. So outside of Goodreads, another one I like, though, is Reddit. And I think I prefer more than Goodreads. So the two communities, or I think they're called subreddits that I mostly peruse, are like slash romance books or slash dark romance and I'll like really just kind of I don't browse it to see like what's new or whatever I'll um, put in like something that I want to read and see other people's suggestions as you can probably tell I put a lot into the search bar tentacle and kraken (laughs) because there aren't many options unfortunately I've not found a reddit community that's just catered towards tentacle and kraken romance but if you have one of those let me know so reddit is a good resource again similar to goodreads i personally don't enjoy the like main header bar of reddit to find more book info what i recommend is using google typing it in and then putting reddit at the end um i haven't used chat gpt for this i don't know if it'll even work for this because i don't think it can reference Uh, what's happening like that fast in the reddit world um but yeah just google and put reddit at the end and you'll see threads that are more relevant than if you did it on reddit itself um and then the other one it's something i touched on before so i won't get into it but um other authors so if you read an author currently you can usually sign up to their newsletters or they'll have social media and they'll shout out other authors. So that is a good way to um, find other books you'll like. Generally, they'll promote authors within their same genre. So that is another way I've done it. And the last one is your digital reader. I use Kindle on my phone and As you're reading different books, it'll give you suggestions, what you want to read, uh, similar to what you've read, um, other books in a series that you haven't finished, other books from the same author that you read a book about. So Kindle app, um, and they're also like just general, like what do you call it, like discover new books, blah, 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 that's like general that you'd expect. Um, and the genre level of the Kindle app is crazy. Like the way erotica and romance are put into separate sections and uh, erotica has its own subgenres underneath. Insane. I haven't seen many places that do that. Oh, and then the other one is called romance.io. I Whoa. specifically suggest this for readers who like dark romance, monster romance. I mean, they post a lot about like, regular schmegular romance but if you it's one of the only sites that are like a official site i've found 
like will give you non-human schmegular plot books so yeah those are my other kind of bookish resources i like to use we hope some of these tips and resources help you to read better and not just more Book Babes Banter will be releasing an episode every other Saturday, so be sure to come back and listen to more bookish rambles. And follow us on Instagram at bookbabesbanter. And if you like the episode, be sure to give us five stars on your podcast listening app. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.